Hello and welcome to the Caden Joaquin Takachu podcast. Blay, blay, blay. Our new movie is out. It's called Immortality. It's uh good. Yeah. I, all right. I did a tweet today that said... You tweeted? I tweeted. I tweet sometimes, but it's basically only for advertising. My tweet said something to the effect of, It's Dracula, and he's back, Yula. Not like the actor Scott Bakula. And then I said, just watch it. Just watch the movie. I, but I didn't have a joke. I went in and I was like, I'm just going to share I don't even know who Scott Bakula is. He was on a, a show from the 80s called Quantum Leap, where he was time traveled into other people's bodies and would have to make sure that important political and historical figures didn't die. Imagine being teleported to Hitler's body. Oh my god. You're like, okay, well I can't die now. What, like Julius Caesar? No, it was you wouldn't I don't think you'd get teleported into an important person. I think you would get teleported into just some like Joe Schmo and then they were like, Don't fucking let the Chancellor die and then he'd be like, Got it. That's I also weird. I've never seen Quantum Leap. Oh, but this okay. is what my How do you know about it? You just know? I don't know. I just know. I just know a lot. It's internal knowledge. Yeah. It's just all of this brain is for <laughs> quantum leap. And nothing else. Nothing I don't else. want anything else in my brain. I, mean, I understand. Scott Bakula, handsome man. He what a last name. Bakula, it's a great name. Do One you, time my mom. Bakula? What? Bakula? No, it's Scott Bakula. Bakula. Okay, Bakula. <laughs> That's his traditional. Bakulovich. There's a place in Georgia that's spelt like it, I don't know how to spell, it, but it's pronounced Dacula, and I'm like, okay. that's got to be wrong. <laughs> and there's no way someone's name, some place is named Dacula. No. That sounds like the joke where they say, "Why'd they throw that girl off the bridge?" Tequila. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And I'm honestly ashamed. I never heard of that joke before. Anyway, uh, last night we had a very nice premiere. I appreciate everyone who came. I was so anxious, my except guy. you, you who's watching. Uh, why'd you come? You weren't invited. There was one. I fucking I don't know if he wants his name out there, but that guy who just showed up, I thought it was so funny. I was preparing to do a speech, and I got to do a little bit of my speech when everyone was there. The one joke I I generally never have a joke set up for just when I'm talking. When I'm writing, of course, I have jokes that I plan. But when I'm just talking and doing speech, I don't mm-hmm. generally plan jokes; they just happen. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm calling that guy out for being the most helpful participant on this film even though I will have met him within the minute <laughs> never seen him before people need to know people needed to know like he wasn't there but we felt his energy yes like it was definitely present throughout most of those shots have I ever told you how I came up with the idea for this film no it was Christmas and I went to the movies with my mom to watch licorice pizza and there was a scene where they were on a bike and I thought to myself, what if Dracula rode a bike? And literally... Just snowballed? It just snowballed. It just became our film. That was like the least... I'm not say when to say important, but least touched on fact of the whole movie was yeah. you riding that bike or Dracula riding that bike. That was the idea. That was the full... Originally, it was supposed to... I was th- considering writing it as a feature. Is but that then, how most of your things are made? Yeah. Cause just per- like one small thought and then it just snowballs? Yeah. Because per- the way that Parade Float was made was my thought of... I want to drive a parade float, and then I didn't in the movie. I feel like driving a parade float would be would be like one of the hardest things ever. It's on my bucket list. Really, I, I really want to do it still. I get the Macy's parade. Nah, it can be. Just I just anywhere. I just want a motorized parade float that someone lets me drive. I've thought of it ever since like there was an episode. Gotta, classified. That's got to be easy to do. Yeah, that can't be like a like 
one of the things that like you got to be classified. Well, there's probably is a classified license. For I it. think you might have to take maybe like an hour to lessons. learn because <laughs> it's big. I think yeah. I think that they might have to make you even do like a trucking class or something. Uh, those are different though. Yeah, because parade did floats are more wide. Dude, did I tell you the greatest comment I've ever received on anything? It was on parade float. Go, sorry, I'm just the thoughts are coming to me right now. Some guy said, "Wow." You guys really accurately depicted a parade float construction, but generally we're even more behind schedule. And I was like, <laughs> Who How said that? Some guy really? on the internet. And my brain went, Well, huh. How did I do that? How did I make something that makes people go, Yeah, you did. That's, <laughs> that's true. accurate. That's accurate. Because no one knows what they're really doing on a parade float. I didn't think that parade float companies were a real thing. My, this is my question now mm-hmm. is. So you always like say you watch the Macy's Day Parade, right? Yes. For what is it, Christmas or Thanksgiving? I think it's Thanksgiving. I don't. I think do they do? I both? think they both. They probably do both. I think they do both. You never see where the person drive is who mm-hmm. drives a parade float. Where the fuck are they? So the way that it's designed, it's kind of like, like in a, a tank. Yeah, like a tank. It's like a movie car. I don't know why I was gonna say that. So in a movie car, there's like the main car where the people are driving. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole rig set up around it where a guy kind of looks like he's in a in a go kart and he's the one actually driving the car. I look so. But I think in a parade float, yeah, it's like a little tank slit at the front that you can he opens up and he can look out and see the street but other than that he is kind of blind he's flying blind yeah i mean you're just going straight wow that is a very interesting holy shit this looks like an airplane what whoa holy shit yeah that looks crazy yeah you send that to me what's all these buttons and dials and i don't know and he's he's using like a like a camera to see where to go. That's fuck. It's like daybreakers, dude. That's fucking the only. Thing, I would want to do that too now, right? It looks cool. That's got to be some we training should get for that. You, me, and Isaac, and two other people maybe together. Um, and sh- we should treat it like the movie Fury. Oh my god! Just and get in die? a parade and all die. That's I how, would do. We'll, that's what we'll, that that's should how be we'll the sequel to Parade Float. Us doing a fury, or we like we can still be the same characters, but then like say we upgraded to like an actual parade float a couple years later, mm-hmm. and then like all of a sudden it's like a parade that goes wrong. <laughs> no one actually dies, but like one dies. Have you ever Just, itched your eye, and then all the vision goes out in that eye for a little bit? Yes, that is last, so weird. Last night, this is true. When we were doing our premiere, I kept blinking and not being able to see. When that's I not normal. I was. I think it was just nerves in my brain being like fuck you you're gonna have a really stressful time because i was so every time stressed out i'm chronically like like stressed all the time i'm not never happened to me i think that's because i'm not so when it happens to me it happens at a hundred percent and my body's not used to it that's fair so then it's like how do we what okay let's stop looking let's stop being able to see that makes sense that's what we should do and then I'm like no so let's weird. see let's see let's see I'm always so nervous that people aren't gonna laugh whenever we that's fair I mean you're making a comedy movie yeah I feel like I feel like if you made a movie that was serious that'd be less stressful because mm-hmm. then you just worry about hoping it's good but you're yeah. not waiting for like a joke to happen and then go like huh huh like, yeah you're more just having shit happen you know yeah it's a very it's a very stressful experience. You want to do the interview or what? I feel like we're not doing. Okay. He mentioned that. He mentioned I earlier. I said that we should do an interview. Like a mock interview. Film. Yeah. Sure. Well, okay. We already. You, we already. I can interview you first. Okay. Because cool. you're like the filmmaker. Great. We've already covered the basis of how you got the inspiration for the movie, 
and I guess your thoughts going into it and how mm-hmm. it, I guess, affected you. When you make, when you're making a movie, mm-hmm. I guess, what is like when you're trying to stay in the zone of what the, like the point of the movie is for this one, for example, what was like the thing you would tell yourself or look back on to be like, this is like what I'm trying to achieve here. Generally what I do with that is I look at other movies Okay. because I'm not, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to steal from other movies, but I'm definitely trying to emulate specific tones and ideas. Mm-hmm. So whenever I would think about what for this one in particular I was trying to accomplish, I would, in, from the filmmaking perspective, I would always think about Young Frankenstein okay. and what Mel Brooks would have done to make it funnier, to make it authentic. Because another thing that everybody was talking about a lot on set was whenever we had to do a moving shot, we couldn't steady the camera. That didn't bother me because back in old Universal films, they couldn't steady the camera either. Like there Mm -hmm. would be some steady shots, but it would have to be on a tripod. But when you move, studio floors used to be really uneven because they were just warehouses. Mm -hmm. So I like that there's a shake in the camera. Yeah. And it it was a lot of looking towards old films. But even though Young Frankenstein is from the 70s, it emulates all that golden era stuff very well. So that's what I would look for for the filmmaking perspective of it. But for like my character, I just had it in my brain, I guess. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Dracula's cra- he's a crazy annoying person yeah. who really thinks that he's dominating everything. Mm-hmm. Did you use anything as inspiration for that character? Like do you think of like oh, this would be a good like I- not idea, but I can base it off this a little bit, or was it just all your own? Like, I mean, Dracula in itself is his own character, so there's a lot of your insp- your inspiration, like inspiration from it. But did you use something you watched as like a something to build off of? Truly, it's just Dracula, like the ideas yeah. of Dracula, especially old Dracula, mm-hmm. like old shit where he's like, "I am Dracula. Yeah, welcome to my castle. Yeah, there are armadillos running around here. Was there? There is. It's weird. They that's don't get a, real bats, but they random, have real armadillos. That is so random. It's really weird. Basically, it was more so bring mm-hmm. this Dracula into a real situation, the cartoonish. Mm-hmm pop culture ideas of Dracula. I kind of want to go more into when you were... I guess like a more basic question is, do you know when you're writing the script what shots you're going to do? Like, when you're writing the script, you know this is going to look like this and I'll shoot it like this and then have it be like that? Or is it kind of when you... When you're done writing the script, you read through it and then this makes more sense? Or is it a whole different thing as well? When I'm writing the script, I'm visualizing the movie in my head just because I'm... I'm a fully visual thinker. But since you're always, you're usually acting in it, yeah. you visualize it from the actor standpoint or are you visualizing it from the director standpoint of the shots? It's a combination of the two. There's times when I'm writing something where I have, I have a shot in my mind and so I draw it so that I can show it to Camilla, our cinematographer, and I'll be like, this is what I want this shot to look like. But more often than not, what I'm doing as the director is making sure everyone else has the tools to make it perfect. Mm-hmm. And Camilla is really good at finding the shots in the scene. And I create a shot list where I'm like, I think... That, so I, I guess I do have an idea of what I want the shots to look like, but it's never it's never something where when we're on set and it's not right that's in my head, I'm like, we have to change this. It's something where I want, ev- I want Camilla's input on it. I want to know what she thinks and what she thinks will be best for the shot. Mm-hmm. But there are... I, I have to plan out what the shots are because I have to make the shot list. Yeah, yeah. And some sometimes... Th- is it more just like a, a brief, this is what I want it to be? Or do you know like this exactly? Like I'm, I've seen the shot list and yeah. it's very like sectioned out. Like each scene and each shot is all different. 
but is it like when you're making it are you like this more just like a loose what i want or is it more like it always exact this is what it's gonna be it's a really loose what i want because okay. i just i express what type of shot i want like i'll say if it's a, a sh- like medium shot from the waist up or whatever and how many people are in one in the shot and then i ex- i say what i want the shot to express mm-hmm. and then outside of that it's i never think oh this is what i need to add yeah I, I, there's never a point where I, I say to Camilla, it needs to look exactly like this or else I'm fucking losing it. Yeah. Do you think, you touched on it earlier, how you look on both sides of when you're writing the script. Mm-hmm. There's a frog that lives in my walls. I'm 100% certain he's living in the walls. I don't know what to do <laughs> about him. That is so weird. I hear him all the time. I feel so bad for him. I He might just be outside. Everyone who can't hear this, there's a frog that's going, wheat, 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 wheat. It sounds like, like a pipe's like dripping. Yeah, it's a frog. He, f- I feel like he's in my house, but I am not certain. <laughs> that sounds more fun. He's living in your AC unit. Yeah, I think that he's like a Tom and G- he's got a Tom and Jerry situation <laughs> up there where he's got like a matchbook bed. <laughs> so you touched on it earlier when you were discuss when I asked you about um when you're playing on the shot, do you think as an actor or the director when you're writing the script, do you think that since you think of both, you said mm-hmm. you think it makes it easier to write the script because you're looking at it from both aspects, so you can write in a scene that makes it not as awkward or as hard for the actor but it also makes it easy for the director yourself for the shots what i actually think has made it the easiest to write is the fact that i've been an editor for 10 years so instead of knowing what the shots are i more or less know have a full edit of the film in my head Mm -hmm. before it's even shot so i'm able to figure out what i want the pace to be more so than anything else and that helps me know, okay, this is how these jokes are going to string together, or this is how this line's going to play, or how this emotional beat should hit. Mm-hmm. So I have a full edit in my brain, which I think is much... I think that's one of the more helpful skills a director can have, is knowing what it's going to look like at the end, so that there's not a lot of confusion. And mm-hmm. especially when I get m- like bigger productions where there's more people working on them, I think that's going to be really helpful in order to communicate my ideas and be like I want to make sure that you understand this because I have it in my brain but I don't want to also take away from their yeah. creativity of the thing. Now we're doing this we should have shot it like an actual interview. We should have. We're sitting in the seats. Yeah. I mean, that would have been way cooler. Do you want to pause and set that up? kind of want to. Okay let's pause and set that up. You're doing very good at this by the way. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're back. We're back yes. We have a fancy new interview set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should go back into it. So oh, look at you doing the he's doing, doing the, the legs. legs. You, can, you can't might not be able it. to see it, but doing a little bit. Oh. He's doing a little. Leg. There it is. A professional. Watch the video version this week, guys. Yeah, this is definitely a video version, not exclusive, but preferable. Mm-hmm. We, we got lucky. We're never shooting outside in the elements of whatever, like weather or like the first night. There was a little bit of that, I guess, worry mm-hmm. of being a, getting rained out, but something that didn't happen that one of the viewers from last night at the premiere mentioned that every shot looked really still and there was coincidentally no wind for any yeah, shot there's never any wind is that always like i guess weather one of your biggest nightmares in shooting outside even to like all accords like including just wind uh well there's stuff to prevent wind for microphones i don't have a lot of it i need to get more of it mm-hmm. but the thing of i don't think about the weather a lot so i'm going into the the scene and if we're shooting outside I always forget to check the weather. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, it'll just be fine. Yeah. Which is a bad mindset mm-hmm. to have. I need to... So we don't live in like Los Angeles. Yeah. Where it's usually always fine. It yeah. rains like three times a year. It's North Carolina rules, so it's anything goes. Yeah. It 
is a way of thinking that is not smart mm-hmm. at all. But I mean, it is what it is. I it guess, is what right? it is. I mean, it's turned out fine so far. It has. And for most things, we plus for one more second. I have yeah. an idea. Um, I guess I got to start again from a new spot because we have to take a break because now we have branding. This. Branding. Yes. Now we're now we're actually official. Now this is an actual interview. So we've when all the films you made so far, it's kind of been the same cast and crew. Yes. Throughout most. Have you noticed like a, a significant jump, I guess, of A, being able to work with this cast now and crew since you've been so used to them, and B, their ability to do their job, I guess? Yeah, I noticed a big jump when from, of course, the first film, which is just, it was basically just kids with a camera mm-hmm. making a movie about Jason Voorhees, Yeah, to this, which is now very much... Ooh. That's some fucking thunder, my yeah. guy. A big jump happened between my ability to direct. I feel like I was a lot more confident in myself. And I found out last night, I feel very confident whenever it's me getting to direct and be in control of this situation creatively, as opposed mm-hmm. to everybody just kind of has to be here and I'm yeah. in charge of everyone in charge or everybody's looking to me to what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I just am looking at it as, oh, this is cool, but when it's directing, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I know how to tell people things. I, f- I figure out a lot better ways to tell people things. You think you've gotten better at switching your brain from... Because you're also you're switching it from three different aspects. You're switching yeah. it from just being friends, everybody, then being a director, and then also having the act. Mm-hmm. Is there kind of a weird balancing act between all that? I definitely can't be mean. Yeah. Well, you, you I, I don't can, like to be mean. But you can be assertive. Yeah. You can I, definitely be assertive, which you, I would say... Definitely gotten better at that. Yeah, I got over the much past better at it on this film. I learned because I'm not a very assertive person in life. I'm mm-hmm. very blase. Mm-hmm. But on a film, I like to make sure that it's evident that I'm in charge. I like yeah. to make sure that I don't want to be like a dominating force, but I just want everyone to be able to say, "Okay, Cade, Cade kind of got this. Uh-huh. I don't need to worry about what's happening." Yeah, and I want that to just be something that everybody can look to and then as soon as we're done shooting for the day we can just be like oh let's chill we're friends yeah. the biggest thing that's happened was getting camilla back into the crew because mm. uh, she's ever, oh don't, for um yeah i went to film camp with her but also making wrong address wrong address yeah yeah uh so her inclusion was for anyone who doesn't know i think you mentioned earlier just so i can say camilla yeah. was the cinematographer like i guess director dp director dp of photography tonight i'm mean, not tonight throughout the film tonight that was that was podcast. her main purpose so a lot of shots Cade would have her in like um input from it but she would also be the one man the camera and like saying what we needed for certain shots mm-hmm. she's i guess the person i've made movies with the longest because i went to film camp with her when i was 15 mm-hmm. and so there was a couple years where i made stuff right that's crazy, crazy. that's crazy isaac was a very good camera person but it's not what he liked doing. Mm-hmm. He'd never... He he just kind of fell into it because I we needed someone to be mm-hmm. behind the camera. But Camilla understands when we're on set. There's like a hidden... There's a weird language that only me and her are speaking that makes it... I feel really confident because I can kind of go and direct and talk mm-hmm. to her about what the shot needs to be. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And I get that. And she understands. And then with actors like you and Audrey... uh. It's become you're very good at taking physical direction. Like mm-hmm. you're some outside of me, as you know, I like writing physical comedy a mm-hmm. lot. You're very good at doing the physical comedy that I write for you. And Audrey is very good at understanding the kind of tone I want in each scene. 
which is a very interesting thing because there's, there's sometimes I just can't convey that. Mm-hmm. I have learned I need to figure out how to direct simpler things a bit clearer because there was yeah. one, the, there was one shot of the film where Audrey's running for away from the house and she's dropping her bike mm-hmm. and we had to do like ten takes of that because yeah. I was just not I was definitely not telling Audrey how to do that well. That leads into my next couple questions. Do you think that out of everything, I guess it's really two part of this part. Okay. We'll go on based on what you just said. Do you feel like that is the thing you need to improve on most as a director? And then the second part of the question is, what do you think you do the best as a director? Definitely what I need to improve on the most is clarity. Okay. Because in my mind... On what aspect? All um, around or the way you write something in a script or the way you tell someone to do something? The way I tell someone to do something. Because a lot of the times, just based off of the way that I talk, the words that I'm using are a bit r- ridiculous. So when I'm saying it to someone, it isn't always communicating in the best way. Mm-hmm. how to understand what this shot needs and what I need from them when it's something really simple when it's like yeah. a big dialogue scene and I need to get their emotions I feel like I'm better at that only because it is a lot more complicated but I do need to figure out a way to make sure that I can be more concise and clear in what I'm saying and then my strength uh, uh, winning personality uh, let's I guess we we'll put it in easier ways that what is the thing you feel most confident to when you have to do it? You're not like, you don't second guess your, like your judgment or you're not thinking about it to where you just kind of do it. The, the physicality of a joke. If I'm setting up a joke that's purely physical and I, the scene progresses and I can understand how to do it better. But if I'm expressing to someone motion in a scene, I feel like I'm better at expressing the kind of Rube Goldberg-esque way of you have to hit this and then slip this way so that it'll mm-hmm. look ridiculous on the yeah. camera. For your, for yourself, throughout, because you mentioned how things were, like certain shots were, or certain things in your aspect of editing, not editing, mm-hmm. directing and writing, would be a little hard to translate onto, because I remember when you were writing the script you just wrote and there's yeah. like a thing with like a crumpled up piece of paper and you couldn't figure out how to write that into a scene. Mm-hmm. So you just had to make an example of it kind of building off that was there any shot in the movie to where you had an idea for it and then when it came down to actually doing it you're like "Mm, this i don't really know how to do this now and was there like i guess the real root of the question is what was like the hardest shot to do in the movie like kind of to where like you had to really think about that one the hardest the most difficult shot that i had planned beforehand was actually the shot of you casting a shadow on the wall really because originally i had a very different that scene was supposed to be a lot longer and I had a part in the kitchen where Dracula was cleaning the blood out of a dish but I was like this I don't have another kitchen to use Mm -hmm. so originally in that shot you were supposed to raise your stake and swipe at Dracula just as he leaves the frame but I didn't know how to time that well enough and I didn't really know how to do that shadow thing it turned out great in the film but it was a lot of Everyone who was there that day, which was the smallest crew we had, which was mm-hmm. Isaac and Camilla, figuring out how to do that. And that was a yeah. very hard shot. And then the one shot that I will say looks good but didn't turn out as well as I wanted it to is the shot of me lying in the coffin. Mm-hmm. I think I could have made that feel more claustrophobic. Yeah. Because it, st- it feels very open as it is and mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be closed in. Uh, but I don't. I uh, currently don't know how I would have done that. Yeah. I mean, that is a hard shot because you're having to imitate being inside of it. Yeah. Without actually being inside of it. I should have watched that Ryan Reynolds movie. The one where he's buried alive. That's a, That movie kind of messed me up as a kid. I've not going to lie. I've never seen it. It is 
freaky. It's a scary movie. Just the thought of that. The I idea remember of it. one time there was a Batman thing where he he did that and then he punched out with car keys. What's Batman? What do you expect? You know, that's weird. It's raining outside, but it's bright. That means. Do you know what that's called? No. I think in some places it's called the devil is beating his wife. Wow. What was your favorite? Like I guess shot you did, like the one you were, like most proud of, and that it turned out the way you wanted it to. When you look back on it, you're just kind of like, yeah, that that one's I'm I'm really high. I'm proud of. There's a lot. The shots in this film I think are really cool because they really emulate the style I wanted very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite I would probably say is the one towards the end where I jump on the bike. Because it's a great two shot of me and Audrey, mm. and it just has really funny connotation. Because I sure did smack my nuts right on that bike, <laughs> yeah. like so hard. <laughs> Do you feel like this is your all around best work so far? That's a good question. I'm very proud of this film. I like the script. I love every element of it. I do think it is unarguably, from a filmmaking standpoint, probably my strongest piece. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, I have a very strong opinion that Wrong Addressed is currently my best work. Because it's very concise, very quick. And it could also just because that was taught in a classroom. Mm-hmm. So that is affecting my look on it. Because a lot of what I've done is kind of a take on the horror genre. Mm. The Thursday the 12th being a take on more modern horror. Wrong Address being slasher. And then this being Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. It's I'm kind of lampooning genre a lot. So it's hard for me to say what is the best one because each one is pretty different from each other. I kind of want to dissect what you just said. And the first part, we like jump back a little bit, how you said wrong address was taught in a class at college. Yes. Um, I guess first go into how that, like what came up with that. And then, well, I'll, I'll second part when you finish that. That was pure luck. Mm-hmm. Every part of that was pure luck. Cause my mom has a work friend who was on a date the weekend that wrong address came out and for some reason, she decided to show it to this person, and that person was a film teacher at a Virginia university. I would assume that's why she wanted to show that person, since they were a film I guess teacher. so. And then it, he took it into his class the next day, and from what I've been told, I haven't talked to this guy directly, but what I understand is he said, this film is what you can make with no money to mm-hmm. his students. And he, he basically, I don't know if he prefaced with that, but he said... This is the caliber of things I'm expecting you guys to create. Mm -hmm. And they responded back, how? (laughs) Like they couldn't. And that's weird to me that they they saw my five minute movie Mm -hmm. that we made in a day for $400. And we're like, we can't do that. I don't know. It's worth $400, that movie. How much did you think it was? Like nothing. Well, it's just 400 because I had to get some equipment stuff. Okay. And okay. So basically it was like, I'll say 50, $50. Yeah, that seems like more realistic. Because I just had to buy blood. Mm-hmm. and uh, cheat so I wouldn't get shit all over their house. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I was, I had everything. It was just equipment that, like, I had to get SD cards and stuff. Okay, that's not, that's nothing, that's nothing crazy. Mm-mm. So going, the second part of that question would be, when you make a movie and it's done, do you look for, to see if it's a success, validation from other people and their thoughts on it and their reactions, or just your own personal, like, this is cool? Because you mentioned earlier how you think, Wrong address. Not wrong address. Um, immortality is your best work cinematography wise. I'm not cinematography. What would you mention? Just filmmaking. Filmmaking wise, you think that's like your best all around what you did. Yeah. But you said wrong address is when you're most proud of because it was taught in a class and shown to people. Mm-hmm. So do you think? Not do you think? Which one is it more important to you? Is it just kind of like that one felt cool because of that, 
or do you look for people to validate your movies? That's how you feel like it's success because other people appreciated it. I'll say first off, I don't really consider any movie my favorite that I've made. Mm-hmm. Each one is just part of my library now. Mm-hmm. That is very important to me. But I think that what I look for in making things isn't necessarily validation from people more so than it's well there i guess there's the validation of i want people to laugh i love hearing people laugh it's my favorite thing Mm -hmm. what i more so am looking for is for someone to say that they really liked my goal as a filmmaker just in my whole life isn't to win awards or anything it's to make people laugh and i want to one day hopefully meet someone who said your movies made me want to make a movie that to me would be the coolest thing in the entire world. Mm-hmm. It would freak me out. It's always because I'm not making stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. I well, I guess I am in the sense that I physically can't exist without making these things. Mm-hmm. If I didn't, I would explode. Yeah, there's a a thing in me that forces me to make write mm-hmm. and make movies. But when it's done, I'm looking just for people to laugh and for people to tell me if they really were. Bless you. Both sides. Bless you. If they really wanted to make something out of it. So I guess it's more so just how it affects people. Not yeah. if they like it. Like, cool. It's cool if they like it. But it's more so just... Well, how I don't want them to walk away like, I hate that. Yeah, of course. No one wants that. But it's more... What's more important to you is how it made... What... How it made them feel, I guess. Which, I mean... I guess that would be also making them like it. So I guess that also kind of all becomes one. Yeah. So yeah, you do care if someone likes it. That'd be obviously more important because we wouldn't want something they made and put a lot of effort to people like. But it's more so you care about, like you said, I'm just re- like reiterating it, just how it made them feel on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Like what thoughts that gave them, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Because usually when you have most people, I don't think any real filmmaker wants to make movies for the awards or the, uh, mm-hmm. they just make his art. Yeah. And they want to make art. And that's what it is. Do you see your films as art? Or is it more just like, do you, do you subjugate them as different things? Like, do you say a certain part of making it is art? Or is it all around is art? All of it is art, but I wouldn't con- I wouldn't put my films in the category of art. Mm-hmm. Truly, all I want is to... I'd consider it just more expression mm-hmm. and the want to make people laugh again. Mm-hmm. That's all that I really want. And eventually, I want to make people laugh and cry in the same thing, yeah. but we'll get there. I feel like cause there's, in directors, there's different kinds of directors. There's like a Guillermo del Toro or a Quentin Tarantino who focus a lot more on, I guess, from, for me, my perspective the cinematography of it that's mm-hmm. always one of the most interesting aspects of their films right yeah. and that's where i guess you can see the art like in just anyone films like like a wide shot of something that's easy but it's the way you use the camera in a certain thing is creative that's the art form of making a movie i feel like mm-hmm. then you have other act other directors like a michael bay or other people who's still great in their respective field but they more focus on just the cool shit or some directors focus on just pure like dialogue you yeah. don't really give a shit about the shots right do you feel like there is a certain area of directing that you fall into or is it more so you just kind of do whatever the fuck you want and just kind of all whatever feels right for the film um it's definitely more so a whatever feels right for the film but if i was to compare myself to any sort of directors i would almost say it's i'm more of the transitional period between silent films and talkies okay where people were like we have no fucking idea how to make these people talk in a mm-hmm. movie. So we're going to do the physical stuff. And then they might say, owie, ow, ow, my little tush. Mm-hmm. So do you, like, like I mentioned earlier, how you talked about, um, 
I guess but the question I want to ask is, A, do you feel like that is how you always make movies? Or do you kind of want to dabble in everything? Like, yeah, that's what you're comfortable making, but would you want to make something that's, like I meant, like more camera cinematography-wise? Or, oh, strength and weaknesses. You feel like mm-hmm. your strength is physical comedy. Sorry. And do you feel like you want to tr- exp- experiment with other aspects of maybe more dialogue-based or other things? Or do you kind of always want to stay in the same pocket? I definitely love physical comedy. It's one of my favorite things, and I, I don't see myself making a film without physical comedy. It mm-hmm. will... Ha- be less in other films and I would even say that I have a lot of dialogue jokes within what I've already made Mm -hmm. and it's just sometimes they get like wrong address is a fully dialogue based comedy Mm -hmm. immortality I would say is more physical based just because of what style we were trying to do but more often than not I'm writing mostly verbal dialogue that I consider not maybe not funny but witty with Mm -hmm. jokes throughout and I am of course interested in experimenting with different styles of filmmaking stuff camera wise and lighting wise but it's never my intent unless the story specifically calls for it I'm never thinking about crazy stuff I do think that movies need a reason to be visual they Mm -hmm. can't just be flat images which is another reason I love physical comedy because outside of being on a stage in a movie is basically the only way you can get people to experience that so a big part of making a movie to me is finding why I'm making it a, a visual movie as opposed to a book or something. Yeah. Do you feel that it's that because that's from wanting to cement yourself and just kind of like, this is what I'm going to do, get comfortable with it and get success with it. Then I can kind of change up or is it more so that's just what, that's how you want to make things. And that's kind of how it always is. I would say a good bit of it is just that's how I like to make things, but I also currently write with a lot of limitations in mind. Because As in what? We don't have a lot of resources mm-hmm. here. Basically, every film is produced by me and Isaac giving money out of our own pockets to make something for what has gone from a couple thousand dollars to a couple hundred dollars just because we want to do it. Yeah. And we don't have a huge crew. We don't. We have to ask for permission. We have to go places, and then you have to ask permission and everything. But we basically have one person on the camera, and then maybe someone on a light, and mm-hmm. likely someone on sound. But that's us. We have no resources here. Yeah. So I try to really squeeze the lat like this like it's the last bit of toothpaste. I'm squeezing that yeah. shit out because I know how creative I feel I can go and each time we make something I always say okay we don't necessarily need to top this but I know that we have improved while making this and I want to be able to show that off because like you already mentioned earlier with wrong address the whole point of that being taught in class was doing more with less yeah and it seemed like throughout every movie you've made so far you've always done more with less Mm -hmm. I mean like Parade Flow for example you had Isaac, who our friend, who co-producer on most of your films, he just made that. Yeah, he just is a beast. Or he made the coffin, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like you're able to just adapt the situation you're in and you know what limits you have and you're able to, like like I've been saying, do more with less. Yeah. Do you feel like that's also one of your, I guess, because you're just in the situation you're in. Yeah. Do you feel like that's a talent though? And it is because there's a lot of people, like you said in that class, who went, I don't know how to do that. That doesn't, I don't understand how to do something like that. Um, it's weird because I don't actively think about it. When I'm looking at something, I think, okay, this is just what I have to do. And a lot of times I am 
drastically overestimating mm-hmm. what things can happen. Because when I told, when I asked Isaac to build the coffin, in my mind, that was going to be a lot easier than an enormous parade float. Mm-hmm. What I didn't really understand is I was wrong. And a coffin is apparently really fucking hard to make. It's a lot of craftsmanship for that. Yeah. Compared to making just like a flat level. And he did an amazing job on it. But I'm definitely at a point where I'm not fully understanding what our our skill cap is. But then people always exceed my expectations. So it's just... It's not even making more with less, I guess. It's just I have what I have and I don't see it as less. I just see it as what I have at my disposal, I -hmm. guess. And from there, I'm able to grab things and just say... Oh, I'll reuse this. It's easy to do that. Blah, blah, blah. I don't need to buy this again. Yeah. Because I've used the same machete in like three movies. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well, right? Yeah. People Just aren't going to notice. Do more with less. Like yeah. Was, like we've been saying. And we've been del- we've been kind of delving into the, I guess, psyche of when you do things, of how like the inspiration comes from or the, how you attach, like attack certain things you're, when you're making things, right? Mm-hmm. Like how you do it. I guess I want to delve more into the root of it, right? Because I'm... I'm using this as an interview for you at this point. Yeah, I was really expecting there to be a point where we switched, but we are not. I'm, yeah, because I mean, you're you're the one who made the movie, right? Yeah, I'm just in it. That doesn't really matter about what I think, but I mean, it's more it, you because yeah. you're the you're the craftsman behind the art. This is right? a really cool. You're doing a very good job. It's freaking <laughs> me out a little bit. Like you sound so professional. Thank you. You we're also just brought started. a shark today to the podcast. I did. We were going to talk about that, but that's besides the point. Okay. I want to delve more into where. The filmmaker Cade came from. I mean, you've from as of long as I known you, that's always what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You never really kind of explained it too much to me personally, where this inspiration came from. Yeah. Was it kind of something that when you found it, you're like, that's what I'm gonna do? Or was it more so you just kind of start appreciating it and then you're like, Well, I can do that. Where where it could be either one of those, or is it something just completely different from that? Well, kind of forever I've told stories. When I was two, my nana loves to tell this story where I for three hours sat at a little table with markers and I go click click because I, I I was fucking crazy about markers. If you kept a cap off a marker, I would kill the living shit out of you. Understandable. Dries out the marker. Dries out the marker. Yeah, who'd want to do Don't that? Don't keep it off. That scared me. When I was in preschool, when I saw kids not put them, I would go up and put them on. And to this day, if my mom leaves a pen clicked, I go up and I unclick it because it, it activates something in my brain. But I for two or three hours, I drew out this story I was just was telling. The whole time, no pauses. I was just like, and then this happened, blah, 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 blah. So I've always liked telling stories. And then throughout, the, I don't know if I've ever told you this. In elementary school, I wrote a series of books that was based off of me and my cousin Jackson. Uh, and I was basically writing my own TV show, but I didn't have the ability to I actually never knew that. To I, know film it. I know Nana wrote like your adventures. Yeah, she wrote like actual real life adventure, but I'd come up with like imaginary stuff that me and my cousin Jackson, who growing up was someone I was with all the time, Mm -hmm. we would get into this crazy situation and I I was an insane person even then because for some reason in these books, the chapters would always be six pages followed by three page chapters. Six, three, six, three, six, three. Interesting. Never broke that. Literally never broke that. And I think I started that maybe in third grade. And by fourth grade, people knew I did this and I would get to read these stories at the front this, of actually. the class. Mm-hmm. So that was a really cool thing for me to be like, people like when I'm writing these weird stories. Mm-hmm. And then I 
didn't really do a lot with it in middle school, I think, mostly because my parents were getting a divorce. So I was busy. But (laughs) outside of that, I kind of found that I don't, I didn't like reading that much. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do anything that wasn't creative. So I just started appreciating film more and something about it. There's always been something that clicked with me in movies. Mm -hmm. And the idea to make movies kind of made me say, oh, okay. In high school, something clicked. Because even when I got into ninth grade, my brain was like, I want to make cartoons. I want to be an animator. And then by the end of ninth grade, I was like, that's too hard. I remember that. I want to make movies because you put me on to a lot of like animated youtubers like who make animations as their thing and tell stories you put me on to a lot of those like jade animations and um odd ones out yes odd ones out i love animation still but i don't have the patience for it i think i could write an animated film but i could i don't think i could helm an animated Mm -hmm. film because i just i i don't have the uh, mental capacity for it i guess I guess I'll, we'll go off, like, because you already kind of explained where your origin from wanting to make movies is from. Mm-hmm. I guess we go back more to the focus of this interview, which is supposed to be immortality. Yes. You mentioned earlier how you made, so far, three kind of horror films, mm-hmm. but different genres of horror. They're all kind of delving to comedy. Mm-hmm. And then you have, but they're all different aspects, I guess, of it. Of comedy or of horror? Of horror and comedy, I feel like. The comedy is yeah. all the same, more, more as different aspects of horror. Yeah, I'm, I basically, I've satirized mockumentary style mm-hmm. horror. More com- and then 80s slasher horror yeah. and golden age universal monster. Do you horror. want to focus on making horror movies kind of based off that in your career, or is it just kind of like since you have just like you like horror movies so much, you just thought of it and just run with it kind of thing? I love horror films, and it's just the ideas I've had for shorts for some for some reason tend to become horror shorts. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just is what happens. But the two feature films that I've written already aren't horror inspired at all. There's mm. a, there's one project that I have in my mind that is a horror feature that I'm interested in doing. Mm-hmm. Both from the perspective of I want to make a feature length horror film and from the perspective of, oh, I want to kind of put a almost like a cap on... We have... What are you doing? You looking at how weird my... Yeah, that's freaking me out. Okay, I'll stop. I want to be able to say, I made all these horror shorts. Here's the horror film. Because for some reason to me, that feels like, oh, you had this journey. And Mm -hmm. here's the end of that part of my filmmaking journey is making an actual horror feature. So you think when you do that, you kind of walk away from the horror genre? I won't walk away. As as a filmmaker, not like as appreciation wise. It'll just be until the next, if there's another horror project I do. Mm -hmm. Because right now... In my weird brain that has a lot of ideas for different features, I only have one feature idea that's a horror film. Okay. And outside of that, I want to just make a bunch of other things. Like some, I I might even make action movies Mm -hmm. that are kind of funny. Yeah. But more or less, I just don't have, I don't even currently have other ideas for horror shorts. They just have, for some reason, all tended to fall within that net. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Everything's been comedy in your mm-hmm. movie so far to an extent. Do you ever want to do something without comedy? No. Never. Never. Ever. Never, ever, ever. Why is that? Comedy is the thing I love. Mm-hmm. Making people laugh is my favorite thing in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And I don't... For me, there's no purpose to art except for to make people laugh. I, For me, like my personal yeah. expression of art. Mm-hmm. Others really handle serious topics 
super well. Mm -hmm. And I like to explore some serious ideas from time to time, but I'm literally completely uninterested in telling a story that doesn't have comedy in it. What if it's, it has aspects of comedy into it, but it goes into something more serious. Would you be interested in doing something like that? I've already written a film like that. Mm -hmm. Like there's comedy throughout it, but it's a very... At a lesser scale? Or is it it's always not even at a lesser scale? It's always it's at just, the forefront. Like when they someone goes to your IMDb and it shows like the genres you're in, would yeah. comedy always be in every single one of the movies? Yes, as part of that. Okay, just because I love comedy, mm -hmm. it is my favorite genre. It's my favorite thing that exists, mm -hmm. and I feel it's not my place in the world to make people always fully sad what i feel like i want to be for people who watch stuff and just exist is i want to be this respite where even if the world is just kind of sad right now you can go and laugh and have a good time or even an emotional time that in the end still made you laugh and you had fun even if you also cried do you think all comedy non-comedy movies always have to be sad no you you wouldn't be interested in doing some that's not even comedy it could be fun but that would be comedy or sad. You want to be interested in doing that? It has to have comedy. Like it you has said, to have comedy. No matter what. That's what is appealing to me about mm -hmm. writing. Do you think that, say in the future, because people change yeah. over time no matter what. Even if someone you think you won't change, you will change. Your mindset of things will change. Do you think if you have an idea for something that's more serious and not too much in the comedy realm, would you be like, no, I'm not going to do that because that's not what I do? Or would you be open to doing something like that? I know you can never say what about yeah. the future, but just say like, just indulge me, I guess. The idea of if I had something that's kind of a more serious topic, and even one of the features that I've recently written is a pretty serious topic that I'm discussing within it about familial relations, but I put my comedy spin on it. Mm -hmm. If I was ever to write something that was just not funny, I wouldn't direct it. Yeah. I would write it, but I would have to hand that off to someone else. You couldn't help put something humor into it because that's just in your DNA basically it's in my DNA and also at that point I would have cemented myself as a comedic filmmaker mm -hmm. instead of so if you go into a Kate Hogan film you're not you're not expecting just blatant tragedy or even just something mm -hmm. that isn't funny you're going and you're like he's gonna make me laugh he might make me cry a little bit who knows that's what that's the two things mm -hmm. and you think I'm will probably have fun if you want. I So if I was to create something that was serious, I would give it to someone else to direct. Because mm -hmm. I would physically, both public perception wise, I don't think people would be able to take me seriously from that perspective. And also, because I'd be I'd be a comedy filmmaker. They'd be like, he's he makes me laugh. Huck, huck, huck. That's, that's what laughing sounds like. Because <laughs> even chicken. outside of stuff like that, even outside of film, I plan on being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I want to have a mystery machine for God's sake. <laughs> like everybody's going to look at me and be like, he's mm -hmm. funny. Like that's the thing he does. Yeah. So if I was to write something serious, I'd want to hand it off to someone else. Would you, if you were offered a role in a serious thing, would you take it? If you're not doing anything funny in it, like your character's not meant to be funny. I would consider it if I like the script. Mm. So I'm not saying this as an, I believe it. Yeah. But I'm just saying, cause for be like devil's advocacy. Do you feel like only wanting to make one main genre of, film is some sort of weakness or insecurity about your ability no it's just my only interest yeah it does fair i just don't care if mm -hmm. it for me i don't care about telling a story if it's not funny well what i guess interesting to me is that that it makes sense but you can also you 
watch movies that aren't like that. Mm -hmm. So there is some sort of I appreciate the art appreciation for how people do it. And I think it's incredible. And I love watching films that express certain things that are sad. They don't have any comedy in it. I love watching those films. Mm -hmm. But I, as a filmmaker, have no interest in doing that. Mm -hmm. Now, you know your strength and that's what you're going to do. It's not even knowing my strength. It's knowing my interest. Like that's okay. my that's what I'm interested in. Okay, that, I mean that's, that, ma- that makes sense because like you know like you know like you know like you just have a natural knack. Would you say for it comedy and making that things or is that just like you said just your interest and that that's what it is? I wouldn't say I have a natural knack for comedy. I love comedy and I try to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, look at camera, wink, wink, both eyes. <laughs> but I'm not someone who would be like, yeah, I'm funny. I, I try. I mean, as in, because I mean, some people, like you said, like their purpose is meant to be something more serious yeah. or something like that. That's because they know that's what they're good at doing. Mm-hmm. Would you, that's, we think that's a part of reason why you want to make comedy because that's, a, it's like some part of that's like, you, you know that you can make a comedy movie better than you can make anything else or just, just like you've been saying, just pure out of interest. I'm going to answer this by telling a story that's not mine. <laughs> okay. When Gene Wilder was young, mm-hmm. his mom, I think had a heart attack or something that was a Shit. really bad medical thing mm-hmm. and he was really little he was like five maybe six five to seven mm-hmm. he goes to the doctor that with his mom and he was like is there anything i can do to help my mom and he was like you can make her laugh that will make her feel better and he knew that he was succeeding the day that he made his mom pee her pants she laughed so hard mm-hmm. and from that moment on he was like i want to make people laugh and i have felt very sim- I've never made anyone pee their pants from laughing mm-hmm. what a feat yeah that's Gene like Wilder is a god yeah amongst men I am very interested in the same concept of I want to make people laugh because it is very very important to me so it's just important to me to make people laugh it's important as who I am I also share this story where I was at a Passover Seder one time and I was just it was right after we had done all of the ceremonial stuff. So we just got to talk and eat mm-hmm. and I started doing a bit and, uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time was there and he was refusing to laugh. Like he had, for some reason decided that day he was like, I don't want to laugh. I, he might've just wanted to be respectful for the ceremony, mm-hmm. but I was getting my whole family to laugh. And this guy sitting next to me, I was like, you are not laughing in that moment. I decided this is not going to stop until I make him laugh. <laughs> And I went on for 20 minutes. Holy shit. Everyone else was laughing. And then I finally broke him. And I was like, yes. So getting that emotional mm-hmm. response, I was like, that's that's what I need. I don't really have anything else, to be honest. You know anything else? That's kind of it. I, I mean, mean, there's anything I'm else in, like, I'm kind of just, like grasping at. So nothing really that's like, I feel like I should ask. Do you have any things you want me to ask you about? or? No. I mean, you did a really very good job. Thank I you. was not. Sorry. Bless you. I was not expecting it to be this in depth mm. or it to you did a, f- a fucking good job Thank like you. i was like oh wow this feels <laughs> professional even though we're in my room and i'm wearing yeah. sweatpants and no shoes and no or shoes or socks or socks <laughs> you help me in the last <laughs> minute of the podcast didn't you <laughs> yeah you did a pretty good job thank you appreciate that it was nice to meet you, by the way. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you. I have, uh, is, is, do I stay here for the next press circuit, or does someone else? Do um, I go? No, yeah, I leave, and then someone else comes okay, in. Okay, cool. So, yeah. 